Welcome to Become an Idol. I'm Dr. Robin Sargent, owner of Idol Courses. This is the place where newbies come to learn and veterans share their knowledge. I have here with me today Ian Meltinger, and I met Ian because he is a member of the Idol Courses Academy, but there's so much more to Ian and his Idol success story. So, Ian, will you please do a better job of introducing yourself? I, I love that introduction. Thanks so much, um, Dr. Robin. It is a pleasure to be here. Um, I listened to this podcast with other folks when I realized that this is something that I could do. So I hope that this works out for somebody that way today. I born and raised in New Haven, Connecticut. It's a university town. Went to a prep school there, did theater and writing in college. I played in rock bands. Uh, and then I blew out to USC cinema school and worked in post-production sound and script writing. But even then, as a TA, to pay my way, I was making explainer videos about sound editing and, and getting in touch with my, my nerd splainer powers. My partner got a career move that put us back in New Haven. Um, and after a little dalliance with the dot-com bubble there with some websites and flash and game design, uh, I became an English literature teacher for about 20 years. Did art and media projects. I raised a couple daughters and the last one graduated in 2021. And I thought now it is time for me to stretch and learn and grow and face discomfort and find another way to help people. So I got on Daphne Gomez's teacher career course. And I heard the Idol podcast interview with you. I had never heard of instructional design. I did the five-day challenge in March of 2022. And then I joined cohort 10 in April and May. And I have very modest idol goals. There was always, what is your big idol goal? My, my idol goal was like, trust the coaches and mentors, take direction. Don't be the guy who has to explain everything in the room. Just be quiet and listen. But then I realized it was time to make a minimum viable portfolio, do some job networking, LinkedIn, resume, these pieces that the program makes you do. And then by the end of May, I was lucky enough to catch a, a contract with Idle Talent and begin doing my first instructional design work. And that gets me to where we are now. I mean, let's just talk about that. So you found Daphne what month? When did you find Daphne? February. February 22. Oh, it was so fast. Yeah. Yeah. Well, our, you know, we, I know that contracts for most public school teachers are things that happen over the summer, but in, in the private school industry, they often happen in January and February. So I knew that in February, I was not going to continue. And then I thought, okay, now that I've thrown myself out of the, the comfort place, like what to do. And so I, I did, that full transitioning teacher mentality thing in February. And none of it made me feel like home. And then I heard about this and I was like, I think I've been doing things like this my whole life, but I did not have a plan. I did not have a system. And maybe this will be a plan and a system. And so that's why I dove in. And I just want to talk about, okay, first of all, cohort 10 was a blast. We did um, a couple of special things in cohort 10 that we don't usually do, but... I mean, I want to talk about just how you were as mm -hmm. 
a student because a lot of the reason why you got selected for an idle talent contract role was because of the way that you showed up in the idle courses academy. So, I mean, you already said a little bit about that, but I want to hear a little bit more about like, did you know that you were just being a star student or what? <laughs> you know, I, I've taught a lot of high school and college students and I know what I respond to. And it's always, uh, no one likes to know it all. No one likes the mansplainer. No one likes the person with their hand up all the time. But because of the way the course is arranged that we all kind of webinar in and absorb and I take a lot of notes and then I would go back and think, did I, did I even write these notes? I was always very aware that I had not absorbed this stuff. So I'd repeat it to myself and try to remember the principles and the events and all the stages and all the steps. And then when we would show up and meet, I learned very quickly that the way the course is designed, the best way we all know to learn something is to try to, to teach it. But in this case, that means getting online, looking at people's assets that they've put on and saying, rather than say, oh, it's great. Oh, you're awesome. Or it needs work of things that are not helpful. I think we, we have this notebook full of things I just learned. Can I apply them to this person who I don't know and help them by using these techniques? Because if I can do that, then I'll know what to do for myself when I'm staring at the blank screen or I hit a wall. And so as a self-improvement measure, being helpful to other people is always the best indicator. And then it turns out that's a major point of being an instructional designer anyway, is that if it doesn't change behavior, it's not really good training or training wasn't the point. And so to train myself, I really understood I had to dedicate my whole behavior all day towards being helpful. And that, that that became my plan. And it was actually just a treat to let go and not be responsible for anything other than applying these principles that I was learning to help other people and myself. I just loved it. And it just also showed us too. Like not only were you showing up for yourself and translating what you learned to people's feedback, but it also showed the coaches and the mentors and even me that you are that you're in there and you get it and you give and you're helpful and you give quality feedback. So even just those attributes alone look like somebody that you'd want to work with. Right. And that's the whole yeah. part of networking as well. Right. So your networking was a little more internal than most people's. And so I think it's important and just kind of mention that you got an idle talent job because of how you showed up as a student. Yeah. And, and you made that really clear when you signed me on. And I really appreciated that because it's uh, it's opaque to us in the academy at first, like how it all works. And we don't really understand how, how many different limbs and paths and practices are going on under idle. So every week I would learn more about what's going on and, and just getting through, like I'm still only like 65% through the curriculum and I'm <laughs> going back and banging on those things. But I, 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 I've been trying to work on all the, the software becomes overwhelming at first, right? Storyline and Rise and Beyond and Genially and Camtasia and Canva. And I'm still like, I remember Adobe. I remember how to use these things. And, but then there's these techniques. It's too much to do selfishly. Like you just can't because it, it falls out of your head unless you apply it. And production takes so long. 
But you think if only there were hundreds of half-baked assets made by other people who are trying really hard, I could get the advantage of revision by making comments on other people's stuff. And that was easy and fun and felt good. But the advantage that I didn't see coming was that it made me much more receptive to coach and mentor feedback on my own work because, you know, as a teacher, you don't get criticism a lot from people. No one's sitting in your class. I mean, if they do, it's always the day the kids behave perfectly, right? So you you don't get authentic feedback very much. But here in the e-learning world, when you send something and you just click submit and you walk away and you know it's being viewed and there's nothing you can do about it anymore, all of that self delusional talk just falls away and things really are what they are. And that can be super scary, but finding the right tone to comment on other people. And of course, I learn a lot from watching other people comment. Like I'd say, oh, this is how Tabitha writes about somebody's storyline. I wonder if I can echo that on somebody else's thing that she didn't get to. And imitation works because it's principle-based. And so I, by the time I got notes that would have made me go home and, and cry, well, I'm already home. They would have made me just feel sad and, oh, boo-hoo, I, I didn't have a good day. Now I can say, oh, no, 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 no. I understand what they meant. I understand why they said it this way. And I could just bang back that day with an improvement and then submit it and say, how's this? And that's that just feels good. And I really enjoyed that to control my own pace. Okay, so you started in March. The class mm-hmm. started in April. Yeah, you had an MVP, a minimum viable portfolio by May. Yes. Wow. People are like, "How'd you do it so fast?" <sighs> Why did I do it so fast? Because, I, you know, I, what happened? It's this is in the weeds, but I looked at the requirements for the first badge, and just because there was an an initial thing in the way that they were written about certificates and badges and stuff. I saw or thought I saw that I needed to have a complete storyline project for the very first minimum portfolio, which uh, was out of my ability. And, and, you know, there was a whole lot, but I misunderstood. And so I was like, well, if I can't do that, I'm going to do everything else so hard that it'll make up for the fact that I can't do that. And then near the end, we were talking and you were just like, oh, no, no, it doesn't have to be storyline. It can be in Rise. And like the clouds opened and I realized like weight, it's like taking the weights off if you've been jogging with weights and then suddenly you can run. And I realized, okay, I can make all this stuff better by week seven because I, I thought it was hopeless and I was just going for it anyway. And then when I realized, oh, it's not hopeless, I just misunderstood then suddenly I was at the end. And and of course, that end is a beginning because everyone will tell you that the first minimum viable portfolio is not something I look back on with pride, but I look back on it as the first step in a long staircase that I really want to go up. Okay. And I mean, and it worked. I mean, you mm-hmm. thought it was impossible. You're like, I've done all this work. I haven't done enough. And they're like, oh no, you've done plenty. <laughs> yeah. and And this is where... Like the mentors and coaches are their own very particular idiosyncratic people. They're all really different. So when they all speak with one voice, you start to go, okay, this is probably really true. Like I can really trust this. This is not an opinion. This is this is a craft. And you know, signing on with a craft is a good feeling and it gives you a little more heart in pushing through on stuff because you can't argue with it. It's out there working. And so that that really helped 
a lot. And so it took me weeks to actually submit things to coaches. It took me weeks because I was like, it's fine. My peers like it. High fives all around. And then finally, it's like, all right, uh, there's a courage thing I'm lacking here. And then getting through those notes gave me a whole second wind and then felt really great. And that seems like that took forever, but it was just weeks. It was really not, not impossible. Okay. So we all know that you getting hired by Idle Talent is unlike any other contract or even <laughs> any other job that you'd ever get hired for. Yeah, that's right. So you were kind of just picked out of a pool. And because I saw you in the community and I saw your work that you you just got hired without an interview, even right. not even an interview. <laughs> yes. And I've been, I've been rejected by the best, Robin. I, I was doing all those calls and people were like, great, we'll let you know. And I'm like, okay, this is the job hunt um, because I was new. And so it was, it was very remarkable to just come in on a, on a job. And then once I got inside the job, which, you know, I, we can't talk about it in any detail for non-disclosure agreement purposes, of course, but once I'm in there, I realized like, oh, hey, that's my that's one of my mentors. Like that's somebody who's given me key advice. And we're in here working on this project together. And you realize like, oh, there's a there's a community in everywhere. And they immediately were on Slack helping each other out and uh cleaning up little things before they become uh, big things and just make the momentum go. So that that is also if such a natural progression. Uh, in the learning path that it it does feel like a more advanced masterclass from stuff that I was doing that I'm still doing because, you know, I'm still in cohort 11 rocking away trying to get my Vyond movies together and stuff. I mean, we're, you know, the, the fun never stops. Yeah, but now you get paid for your next level. Of- <laughs> yeah, and that's good. And that is good. But, but and just, well, just to say it, I mean, like Idol has a lot going on. And I remember first coming in thinking, how am I going to do all this? And the answer is one step at a time. And now I'm doing the freelancing bootcamp that, that you've set up with two awesome colleagues. And that's stuff that would have been t- paralyzing for me to think about six months ago, going, going for, I haven't freelanced since movie industry freelancing a hundred million years ago. And I, I did not like it. I did not like not knowing where my next job is coming from. But now that has become exciting and that has become intriguing and curious. And just, you know, maybe I'm just mellowing in, in my you know life and, and that I like that. But now having a bunch of people I trust from the academy guide me through this next step allows me to think, okay, I can imagine that in, in some, some months, some years, sometime I will gradually uh, be doing contracting work and finding my own clients. Like that thing that seemed unbelievable now becomes believable. And with all those workbooks, it has to become believable because you got to put something in the workbook and then it becomes real over time. And that this has happened in like less than six months. Yeah. Yeah. If this were like a physical workout, it would have like a before and after picture where I'm like this emaciated slouching guy. And then I'm like standing up with good posture and, and, and looking toned. you like, I'm, I'm much more, I had to become super disciplined to, to do all the challenges that were very nicely laid out. Like no one's making me do it, but I thought, okay, it's right there for me to pick up. So let's pick it up. And you know, the training has been great, but also the way it's forced me 
to set goals, get up earlier, you know, stay super healthy, eat right, you know, plan all this stuff that get the way it's made me manage my time, the way it's made me manage setbacks and find other ways to go around all these things that really, really matter. Everybody knows this stuff, but actually practicing it every day, you need a goal. And so the, the goal helped me sort of bring out my best self. And now that better self is doing better work. And so there is a spiraling up quality right now that that feels great. Okay. What is the thing that surprised you the most, Ian, when you started working for Isle Talent on our client project, what was it that surprised you about the work that was different from all those practice opportunities that you had? Yeah. The different, the biggest difference is the shape of the hierarchy that there's idle talent, but they're also sending me to another organization that is putting me in with the team for another company. And everyone has their own project manager or their own curricular manager, or you know, I don't just have, I'm learning about the, the SME, the, 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 the subject matter expert. And then I'll have four SMEs who never meet all at the same time. And then there's the original one who wrote the material that we're adapting. And then there's like a meta SME who shows up later. And it's, it's clear immediately that there will never be a time where all of those people communicate together and sort of deciding all those priorities of how quickly do I respond or do I wait or how many times a day can I check in with my project manager before I'm irritating her. I'm like all, all these puzzles, it feels like junior high, you know, where like every, like, is my foot touching someone's foot? Am I, am I raising my hand in the right way? Am I corny? Like who's looking at me? And except it's all digital. And there are people I'm on a conversation, people are in South Africa or they're in Australia or they're, they're in different time zones. And, and I realized I don't really know anything about anybody's life, but we're all connected on this thing, but, but connected in a strange way. So it's very asynchronous. And, and I guess that all sounds like it makes sense. It's a strange feeling at the end of the day, you sort of go like, did I have a good day at work? Like, how do I know <laughs> if I had a good day at work? Like, you know, and then, then my, my, my partner come home and she'll be like, well, I had these meetings and, but these are with human beings in a room more and more now. And, or she's like, I took care of this patient. And I think those seem very tangible, but, but maybe it's not true. Maybe, maybe all work is like that. I mean, as a, as a teacher, I never really, you never really know what effect you have on the students anyway. So it's, you know, I, I think I'm learning how to tell the story of whether I had a good day or not and learning what all those pieces were, but that adjustment was crazy. The tech stuff was great. I love learning stuff. I never, I never heard of before and having to do all this research and having to become kind of a temporary micro expert on a very small sub subject and then send all this stuff out and have someone who's a legitimate world-class expert on it go, yeah, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. There's this one thing and, and that, that hasn't worn off yet. That sense of like, really, that was pretty good. Cool. I'm glad I got that. Like, that's exciting. I really enjoy that. I, mean, I used to teach Shakespeare and Chaucer and poetry. And I would see that look that students get when they suddenly would go like, oh, wait, that's actually kind of well-written and cool. And I think I get that. And I'm getting to have that now. So that part for me is super fun. Yeah, that is a lot of surprises. And do you think that some of that came from just not... Well, 
I guess you worked in cinema, so you kind of worked in a corporate, but it was its own thing. So not quite corporate at all. Yeah, movie movie people are totally different. Most movie people consider themselves like carpenters. They're like working class folks. They're in unions and they there's a lot of rules because it, you know, it's like, you know, magician can't be surprised by their own trick, you know, so everything has to have a, a clear definitive structure. So, so I'm used to things that, that function, but it, it's, I, I think the strangest part is, yeah, yeah, I think I went in very naive about how corporate structures work. And then I also suspect that every, kind of job I do like this will have its own flavor and its own architecture and its own personalities. And I still have a lot to learn about what is someone's personality, what's their experience, or what's just the way it is in this job or in this company or the world. Like there's there's a lot of factors that I still haven't sorted out. So I keep a lot of journals. I write a lot because it's already funny to look back at stuff I wrote in June and say like, oh, that was my best guess at what to do. Huh. Okay, there's a, I've learned some things since then and, and not that, but, but it's necessary to do that so I can try to m- make sure that my mistakes are the ones that you learn from that don't cause trouble. Because it's great to learn from mistakes, but not all mistakes are equally valuable. So I like to get the dumb ones out of the way so I can make sort of meaningful, interesting mistakes. <laughs> I love that. I love the way you put that. And so, all right, so you've, found what was surprising to you. I'm sure that it was just a surprise that you would get a contract in that way. And so what, and I think you've already kind of said it, but what are kind of your, your next smaller goals? Is it just to just tell me what those are? Sure. I think the most immediate thing is, is tools. You know, I, I really like to be effective on the tool that I'm on. And I, and also even though it's true that we're using instructional design principles and they're more important than than the exact tool, each tool tells you how to use it. You give a room full of kids hammers and certain things are going to happen that are very predictable. Like the tool tells you what to do. So I want to get my Vion skill, my Camtasia skill, my Storyline skill. I want to get all the skills up where I can actually begin to move at the speed of thought. And there's a line that that you use a lot that I hear a lot of people say where people are like, well, I... I've used that tool enough that when I see the script, I'm already visualizing how I'm going to execute. And I'm not there yet with many of the tools. And so I want to make sure I don't fall back on the tools I'm already comfortable with and end up being the guy using a hammer like a screwdriver because I just love a hammer. And I want to I want to learn the whole toolkit a little better. And that might just be a lot of badge hunting for a while, but it's also... a if I get those things automatic, then I can start really learning about nuances of instructional design craft, because that's what really matters to me. I'm not just trying to crank out kind of cool three-minute movies. That is a lot of fun and it is really enjoyable, but it needs to have that purpose. And there's this idea about improving lives and helping people and that that I'm reaching for, right? So to get towards that, I think tool automation and you know, and the the way Idle sets things up with badges, it's very easy to kind of scoff and roll our eyes at badges, but badges are great. Badges are goals that let you pull out your best qualities and really try. And so I I'm gonna really try for these badges, like they mean a lot because then I'll make pieces that 
maybe are genuinely helpful. And so I'm working on that. And then I'm just going to keep saying yes to opportunities for a while. Now that I'm really made this my dedicated thing and I'm not going back to school, there's a lot of little conversations that I used to say, yeah, that's cool. I can't. But now I'm like, well, maybe I can. And it's been surprising already what becomes a a connection, what becomes a, a thing that opens up a possibility. So between the tool work and just saying yes to letting things take me where they're taking me, so far that's yielded a lot of interesting stuff. My curiosity is fulfilled. My days are full. It's not overwhelming yet, but it's 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 whelming. It's a lot in a good way. So I think I'm just going to keep pushing like that until it feels like that's not the thing anymore. By next year, I'll have been through the freelancer bootcamp and I'll have my own LLC and I'll start really looking at questions about being a contractor versus being a freelancer. But that's that's a little still ahead of me. But it's I can see it coming around the, the corner a little. You can even do both. Yes. <laughs> you can even do both. They have a contract, have a couple of clients on the side for buffer and mm-hmm. extra income and all that kind of stuff. So, I mean, what I just love that you mentioned that your next goals are some new tools, which I yeah. think would probably surprise a lot of people to find out, wait, you got an instructional design contract and you didn't know all the tools? <laughs> yes. it's It's been fascinating to learn that in all these discussions, there are discussions about the goal and the purpose and the people and the context. And that all comes first. Tools are, are definitely secondary. You'll be like, oh, and it's all happening in Rise. Or, oh, you have to know this LMS. Or, oh, we're going to build everything in Storyline. And... And that can give you the terrors because you're like, ah, I don't know those things. But the sweetest thing I'm learning is that as you get good at one tool, it does help your learning curve with all the other tools. Like they do begin to talk together. Like I understand that that Vyond can sit inside Rise very nicely. And that is not a concept that would have even occurred to me to think about three months ago. And now I'm like, oh, I wonder how I could use that. And that kind of curiosity is fun. I mean, it's like you, you get a new, you know, new bike, you want to start riding around different places and then you see new stuff. So it's, it's, the tools are great. And also, man, I don't, I don't know. I've been around on this earth long enough. I remember doing this where like I went to film school to use tools you could not get access to as a little kid in Connecticut. And now those things really are on your laptop and you can make professional movies on your phone. And that's so real and it's very freeing up, but it comes with a whole lot of responsibility because you have to look to a, a, a better purpose than just making it. You know, I don't want to repeat myself a million times. I want to progress. Yeah. Okay. So I think that there is a lot that you can share about becoming an idol. And, but I think yours is just so unique in the sense that your first idol job is for idol talent. And so I just want to know, what would you say is your best and final advice for those who want to become an idol? It's do reflect and prove, right? It, 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 we're such reflective people that we want to just reflect and reflect and reflect so that we can come out perfect by the time we do, but it doesn't, it doesn't go reflect, improve, do it's do first and do it. Messy speaks to that and, and mattered a lot to me when I began. And even in idle talent, which is a professional job that I take really seriously. And I really want to rock my responsibility in this career. Um, you just have to show up and start making stuff 
And then when you realize that that you've run out of juice, you got to reflect and then you have to start asking people and then you throw it out there again because the course you didn't make is never going to be, it's never going to help as many people as the messy prototype. And you can't improve a thing that's not there. So do reflect and improve is the thing I got told on week one and it's stayed true and only become more true even as I'm working in idle talents. And even as I'm thinking about building my own brands down the line, it all becomes the same continuum that you got to do it and then do a lot of reflecting and then think what is the most important improvement I can make because I got to go do it again tomorrow. And that cycle uh, is a wonderful cycle. You know, it's, 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 it is, uh, it's good stuff. I love that. I think that is a great cycle. I think it's a wonderful reminder and it's really just, it's so simple about all the things that you can accomplish with just do reflect and improve. And and even just thinking about those three things, like when you start, just like you said, like when you start to feel a little frazzled or frustrated or stressed out, well, maybe that's the time when you go and reflect instead, whether that's a walk or writing in your journal or whatever, it'll, it'll be there when you get back. Ian, this has been such a pleasure talking to you and and hearing your idle success story so thank you so much for coming and joining me today dr robin it's a huge pleasure thanks so much and good luck to everybody out there thank you so much for listening you can find the show notes for this episode at idlecourses.com if you like this podcast and you want to become an instructional designer an online learning developer join me in the idle courses academy where you'll learn to build all the assets you need to land your first instructional design job, early access to this podcast, tutorials for how to use the e-learning authoring tools, templates for everything course building, and paid instructional design experience opportunities. Go to idlecourses.com forward slash academy and enroll or get on the wait list. Now get out there and build transcendent courses.